Glad to have you here. Uh, obviously, you heard the little champagne popping going on there. Well, we're celebrating my third year anniversary being involved with WCET. And as part of that, we're doing something I haven't done in just a little while. We're doing a live broadcast. So I've got Doug in the ear, and he's trying to keep me straight and on task as we do this. So if you're listening to WCET in beautiful Columbia, South Carolina, or if you're listening on uh, the last Frequency.com. Uh, you're hearing a live broadcast from Tapping to the Truth for the first time in a while. So glad to have you here and uh, certainly hope you'll hang around for the entirety of the two hours. Uh, scheduled to have Ken Crow join me here at the, uh, the start of the second hour. We're going to be talking about the full blown panic the Democrats seem to be in at the moment. And man, they're just absolutely out of their minds. Uh, Not that that's a new phenomenon, mind you, but they do seem to be at a level of panic mode that I have not seen in quite some time. Literally no composure at all. Uh, Democracy is on the ballot. All right, so that's in the second hour. Wanted to start in this first hour talking to you about a few different things. Government waste in one and Potential, and I use that word in order to maintain journalistic integrity, so potential corruption. 
Now, if you're living in the great state of Pennsylvania, this is probably something that you should have been made aware of several months ago. And had there been actual journalists doing journalism, uh, you probably would. Not being covered well enough. This is an important story, so be sure to share this with anybody that you know, especially if you know anybody in Pennsylvania. This, of course, is the story of a complaint that's been brought forth by the Center for Accountability and Government Ethics. According to this complaint, a certain Democratic lieutenant governor and current Senate candidate, you know, that uh, John Fetterman guy, he purchased – a $75,000 property in Braddock from a nonprofit organization, uh, his nonprofit organization, and the price tag that he actually paid $1,100 cash. Now, in times of Biden inflation, <laughs> that's a heck of a steal. In normal times, that is a literal still. $75,000 property, $1,100 price tag purchased from his own nonprofit. Now, the uh, Center for Accountability and Government Ethics, it's an offshoot, a, a spinoff from the CPAC Foundation, just so we're letting everybody know the specifics here. They uh, contend that this uh, Braddock redo the nonprofit organization that was run by Fetterman and this this organization it was intended as a mechanism to revitalize the town of Braddock, uh, the town that Fetterman was mayor of at the time. So he was mayor. He started a nonprofit that was designed to try and bring this once great steel mill town that had fallen on hard times as the steel industry had dropped off. It basically, as mayor, he got to oversee this small town get drowned worse by the failing economy in this particular industry. This nonprofit was supposed to help revitalize the towns, but to bring it back. It really ended up being a means to purchase real estate. Fetterman made the purchase, and uh, this uh, Jebediah Feldman, the vice president of the nonprofits board, and oh, by the way, deputy mayor of Braddock. You see where I'm going here, right? The appearance of impropriety used to be enough to drive people out of politics. This would be hard to explain away. Now, the complaint that's been put forward, which was sent to the Pennsylvania Secretary of the Commonwealth and the Pennsylvania Ethics Commission, noted that Feldman uh, bought the parcel of land in question for $75,000 in his own personal capacity in 2007. Four years later, he sold the property to Braddock's Redo for $1. Three years after that, Braddock Redo sold the parcel to Fetterman for $1,100, meaning that the Senate candidate, the Oprah Winfrey now-backed candidate, purchased the property for a mere 8% 
just 8% of the market value. And the complaint, of course, was uh, first obtained by the Daily Caller and has been shared. The, um, the transaction history here, the minimal value of the sale price of the property to Mr. Fetterman, and the magnitude of the discount of the property in question – well, when you compare that to other properties on the same block given rise to the appearance of improper conduct is putting it mildly. The president of a nonprofit organization directing the organization to sell an asset to the president of said organization at a below market rate certainly would appear to be a clear violation of fiduciary obligations, to say the least, meaning not only did he get a great deal of personal gain from this, but he was literally violating the obligation of being president of this nonprofit. Seems like there could be some potential legal consequences if this was to be adequately pursued. Now, the Fetterman campaign, uh, their spokesperson, Joe Cavillo, he came out and responded to the Daily Caller saying that the complaint was frivolous and ridiculous, an attempt from the far-right dark money groups, uh, of course, the folks that are supporting all those evil, nasty, mean Republicans, and particularly that evil, mean, nasty Republican nominee, Dr. Mehmet Oz, who used to be friends with Oprah, I guess not anymore, uh, basically tried to play it off, which – you know, that's what we would expect. The Democratic Party in particular, across the board, this particular year has made a point of lying to our faces and then telling us not to believe our lying eyes. It has gotten to the point where things that they have literally said this past week, they turn around and tell us uh, they never said. I mean, it, it, it used to be. I, I love the evolution of the phrase, I'm old enough to remember. Now, if you guys will bear with me for a minute, when we used to say, I'm old enough to remember, we were talking about something that a lot of the younger people that were saying things, that were commenting on topics, really didn't have a firm grasp or understanding of the topic because they hadn't been around long enough to know. After a few years, it became kind of a quib to point to the fact that even if you were just, I don't know, two years old, you were probably old enough to remember when something happened. And now, as long as you have more cognitive function than a certain Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., uh, chances are if you're more than an hour old, you probably can remember when things were very different than what these people are telling us. So, you know, that seems to be par for the course. I mean, remember, democracy is on the ballot, guys. But the folks in Pennsylvania are they're facing a real choice. Do they take a person who clearly is still suffering from a, the devastating effects of a stroke? Or do they pick a man who was, you know, he was selected by Donald John Trump, his guy in the race that helped him to win the primary by throwing his support behind him? Which is it going to be, guys? Is it the New Jersey carpetbacker? Or is it going to be the guy who can't say anything other than he's always supported fracking? I, I, I always supported fracking. Look, this guy has a certifiable record as being a criminal. He was arrested while he was mayor, charged with 
going around and committing acts of, um, well, uh, you know, vandalism. There's there's no easier way to put it. No no politically correct way to say it. Uh, he was not protesting. He was committing acts of vandalism while he was still mayor because he just didn't like some stuff. But this this is a whole new level. This is criminal in ways that should send people to prison. Anyway, to further a little more with the story, this particular complaint that's been brought forth from the Center for Accountability and Government Ethics, it's the second allegation that Fetterman has breached the law with respect to his properties. Bet you didn't know that either. Another report, one this time from the Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust, said that Fetterman reported none of the eight properties he owns in Braddock on disclosure documents filed for his Senate race, even though candidates are required to submit a financial statement that provides a full and complete statement of their assets, debts, and income, including properties, with a fair market value exceeding $1,000, as of the close of the reporting period. Now, I guess you can tell I was reading that directly from the requirements. This particular race, it could determine which major party actually controls Congress next year. Over the past few years, Oz has gained in the polls. My past few years, over the past few weeks, I'm sorry. Oz has gained in the polls after months of Fetterman holding a substantial lead. Rendering this contest to essentially, if you're believing the polls, it's become basically a toss-up. We're literally a week before the election. Not even a week, really, at this point. The celebrity heart surgeon appears to uh, gain another boost after uh, Fetterman, who suffered the stroke back in May and has since exhibited cognitive issues, offering a lackluster, and I'm being very kind there, a lackluster performance in the um, in the race's one and only debate. In fact, I think it's the debate that has really swung this particular race. The folks in Pennsylvania, for whatever reason, and I think primarily because they were really buying into this idea that Oz was still essentially living in New Jersey, that his residency in Pennsylvania was just an election time trick, Uh, It was funny that uh, you have Fetterman that was making all kinds of comments about all the properties and houses that Oz owned. And now here it is. He himself not only is a bit of a a property tycoon, but appears to have been making personal gains. Personal gains as a direct result of the failing of the city he was supposed to be running – through a nonprofit that he also was supposed to be running. Guys, this guy was a real world class piece of slime before he had a stroke. This guy does not belong in political office. And if you're a Pennsylvania listener, if you even thought for a second about voting for this guy, what were you thinking? Oh, we just uh, we we just can't vote for a Republican. We just can't do it. Then stay home. 
Just become part of the Tap into the Truth Voter Apathy Project and just stay home on Election Day. Because how could you vote for this guy? How could you possibly risk taking this socialist criminal who's trying to pretend like he's a working class guy? I mean, this guy seems like so much of a a Joe Biden Jr. character to the point that he's even taken up the same cognitive dissidence for different reasons. This guy is corrupt. There's no question about this. Why do you think the mainstream legacy media is trying so hard to keep this story buried? They don't want you knowing about it or any of the other complaints, and they're going to keep trying to say, oh, no, it's those mean old Republicans again. Republicans pounce. Look, I'm going to remind you. I, I know, if you're a regular listener, I don't really need to, but I'm going to remind you anyway, just in case you're new to the show. You're going to hear me use the phrase Republican a lot right now because we are literally days away from the midterm election. But I myself, I don't deem myself to be a Republican. I'm a conservative. More than that, I'm a constitutional conservative. That means I tend to vote for the Republicans more often than not because they're the guys who typically align with my viewpoint the most. And when it comes right down to it, if you have a choice between a bad choice and a worse choice, Let's just – let's make do with the bad choice and try to make it better. I mean the, the problem with getting the lesser of two evils is it's still evil, and, and yeah, that much is true. But we have some great candidates running this time. Let's get them in place, and let's do the bigger thing. Let's get enough R's in here to put the brakes on Joe Biden's agenda. Another thing to be on the lookout for, by the way, with everything they're saying, I have it on uh, – I have it from a reliable source, somebody who's never let me down before, but I'm not at liberty to, to give out their name. Right now, the people that are pulling Joe Biden's strings, they are preparing executive order after executive order after executive order. They know they're not going to be able to continue moving forward with any of their agenda, and rightfully so. It's not a red wave that's coming, guys. It's a tsunami. I know I'm not the, the first person to say that. I won't be the last person to say that, but it's pretty obvious. The level of momentum is through the roof now as people are getting a bigger and bigger taste of not only how bad things are right now, but how much worse they're heading towards because these people with the D's at the end of their name that have right now control of both houses and the White House have no concern for you. They are so removed from your daily life. And finally, folks are starting to wake up to it. But all that aside, and we'll get into more of that in the second hour, but how, guys, again, I'm looking at you, Pennsylvania, how can you possibly cast a vote in good faith for this man who ran Braddock into that, finished running Braddock into the ground, and continues to try and profit from being allowed, being entrusted to do the job of mayor? And that's really it. He's proven himself to be untrustworthy beforehand. But now, 
Guys, he can't even string a sentence together. How's he supposed to be a senator? Set back, complain, whatever. But if you cast a vote and somehow magically he still comes out with the W, how is he going to actually represent Pennsylvania, guys? I mean, as a conservative, I don't want any Democrat winning ever. I mean, I, that's just the truth. I don't. If you still claim to be a Democrat, even if you're a blue dog Democrat, I'm going to respect you more if it's legit, but I'm still not going to want you in office because you're still going to be caucusing with the bad guys in blue. You are on the side that wants to trans the kids, that wants to try to complain about one-party rule and complain about election deniers the whole time that they're actually just pre-election denying the whole time that they have been the primary election deniers. Hillary Clinton literally just the other day was complaining that, you know, it's only in Republican-controlled states where crime's the highest, and in particular Republican-controlled cities. What crime would that be? I spent three hours, spent three hours trying to research to find a single crime that is higher in a Republican-controlled area than a Democratic one. Because here's the thing. Uh, Hillary, in particular, tends to be a little more judicious in her lives. She likes to be able to kind of just twist what she has available. She'll take some stats, some obscure reference, and she'll just misrepresent it. It's a trick they've been using for a long time. So I figure she probably has some crazy crime stat, one anomaly, and probably like insurance fraud or, or jaywalking or something like that. But the point of the matter is when it comes to violent crime, it's not some Republican uh, boogeyman like almost every Democrat out there is trying to tell you right now. I'm getting the boogeyman look from uh, Doug right now. It's not it's not some made up thing that we're just ooh don't vote for Democrats cuz they're scary. They've got the track record. They've done it. They have brought about cashless bail which puts criminals right back on the street right after they've committed a crime and you want to tell me that doesn't have something to do with the crime spike. They have literally literally set up bail funds for rioters because they were rioting for George Floyd. And then the great and powerful Justice Department, in all their wisdom, they get sent out after abortion protesters, people that believe in the sanctity of life, that believe in protecting the lives of pre-born baby humans, those guys who show up one time and say, uh, yeah, hey, hey there, uh, soon-to-be mother, give your baby a chance. Oh, no, off to prison for 11 years for you. Parents showing up at PTA meetings? Well, you're a domestic terrorist. We're opening a file. We're keeping an eye on you. Their whole idea of criminal justice reform is throw all the conservatives in jail. Put in prison any parent that's willing to stand up and protect their child. And if 
Worst of all, you have the nerve or gumption to stand up to the regime and say, guys, this isn't American. Well, then you're going to disappear, my friend. Just ask any of these so-called insurrectionists. Folks from January 6th, there are several people that are still being held right now. Make no mistake, they are political prisoners. <laughs> they are political prisoners, and they've got some bad news coming if they show up at Doug's house. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. It's uh, looking like we're getting mighty close to the uh, mid-hour. So let's go ahead and take that mid-hour break right now, Doug, if you don't mind, and then we'll transition into the next topic. I know it's a little early, and I almost never do that. I know Doug was thinking he's going to run late as usual. But I'm afraid if I get uh, any further down the road with this Fetterman story, I'm likely to just uh, say some things that shouldn't be said on the open airwaves. Oh, I'd give you the finger. <laughs> You're listening to Tap into the Truth. It's all been done. It's all been done. It's all been done before. Race baiting, crybabies, and chronic complainers like MSNBC host Tiffany Cross and the most idiotic amongst useful idiots. Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook. Recently, MSNBC useful idiot host Tiffany Cross chirped and attacked minority Republican candidates. Recently, she claimed they were not voices of color. She went on with more tired old claims of Republican Party racism, yada, yada, yada. When it comes to being a voice con- concerning the issues of the day affecting our republic, it behooves us to be voices of good principles rather than voices of any color. For we live by principles, not by shades of color. According to the National Republican Congressional Committee, there are 80 Republican candidates or incumbents on the midterm ballot. 33 are women, 28 are black, 13 are Asian, and 3 are American Indians. Useful idiots like MSNBC host Tiffany Cross told the big line for the powerful white Democrat leftists who are themselves both racist and don't want a strong, decent USA. It is a collectivist, useful idiot leftist who claimed that a strong, protected U.S. border amounts to xenophobia and racism, support globalism, abortion, pedophilia, and much more. All meant to destroy all of we the people. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. Oh, he comes. I'm going to punch him out. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. 
Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds Coffee Display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures, many of them Republican-controlled. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Yeah, I'm getting a little Let's Go Brandon action going along with a little FB. It's FJB, but I'm feeling just FB. I'm just going to leave it there uh, because the whole freaking family needs a family-friendly double barrel, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, I want to give a quick shout-out to the Arizona anti-hero who's hanging out with me and Doug. He's over at the chat group. For the last frequency over at Miway, which is another great place where you can kind of hang out and let folks know when you're listening live. So, hey, AZ, glad to have you on board. Thanks for being here, as always. And we will be talking a lot uh, about that Arizona race, I have a feeling, in the uh, second hour. Because uh, that is one of those races that we were told and told just couldn't happen. And uh, yet... Here it goes. And the final days, if you believe the polling, it looks like things are swinging pretty significantly out there. And I got to love it. Uh, Of course, uh, AZ right now uh, is uh, saying hey and uh, all the business. And again, I'd certainly appreciate it. All right. uh, Let's talk a little bit more about another story that got my attention as well as it should yours. And it's one of those stories that... It's gotten medium attention, depending on what news outlets you're paying your closest attention to. Uh, Basically, making the news wire because there are two GOP lawmakers that are looking to try to get some answers about this particular report that came in regarding Joe Biden's favorite pet project. Uh, We are, of course, talking about his little choo-choo trains. He loves talking about Amtrak. He used to ride Amtrak every day. He used to have conversations with an imaginary... Well, okay, to be fair, uh, the guy was a real employee, but he had been dead for years, and especially at the time that uh, Biden was supposed to be talking to him. He retired early on and was dead at some point, and 
you know, Joe has spent a lot of time recently talking to dead people, now that I'm thinking about it. His claim about talking to the guy that invented insulin and his efforts to try to get a certain uh, recently uh, passed on U.S. representative uh, to show up at a particular – he has been talking to a lot of dead people lately. Maybe – He's just that much closer to joining them. I don't know. Seeing through the veil. Perfect topic for the the uh, format here at the last frequency. Is Joe Biden really talking to the dead? More at 11. I don't know. I know his political career is pretty much dead. But anyway, back to this story. There are some Amtrak executives who, in the midst of failing miserably, I, I think is a fair way of putting it, they managed to get not only bonuses, but six-figure bonuses. The company's losing money like crazy. And they literally received billions of taxpayer dollars. Your money. My money. Now, the Railroads, Pipelines, and Hazardous Materials Subcommittee Ranking Member Rick Crawford and Transportation and Infrastructure Committee Ranking Member Sam Graves, uh, one's from Arkansas, the other's from Missouri, they sent a letter to Amtrak's chairman, Anthony Cassia, on Thursday of this past week, addressing concerns about the information on this report about their little bonus. Like how I called it a little bonus? Any of you guys ever gotten a six-figure bonus before? Anyway, uh, quoting here from the letter, payment of lavish executive bonuses when Amtrak services and revenues remain below pre-pandemic levels and financial losses appear permanent seems inappropriate, wasteful, and disrespectful to Amtrak's non-executive frontline employees and to the taxpayers. Now, you see, that's why I do not currently hold public office. I could not possibly have been that diplomatic. That's way too kind. Anyway, uh, back to quoting from the letter. These concerns are only exacerbated by the $66 billion in guaranteed funding that Amtrak received as a result of the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which should be spent on improving the existing system rather than needless expansions or excessive executive rewards. Again, they're being way too polite here. But, you know, you got to operate with decorum when you're an elected official, uh, which also is part of why I'm happy I'm not one. Anyway, last year's Amtrak's bonuses, they were more than $200,000 per executive. I'm going to say that again. $200,000 per executive. That represented more than 50% of the salaries of the company's leaders. Amtrak, of course, claims that the bonuses were due to performance. Really? Really? The performance? Now, an Amtrak report, their report on their financial status. It showed that the company's adjusted operating earnings for the fiscal year of 2020, well, it was in the negative by 789 
million dollars. That's that's my that's a loss. They lost seven hundred and eighty nine million dollars. And for fiscal year twenty twenty one, that same operational budget in the negative again, only this time one point oh three billion. So they were even further in the hole. Significantly. This as this as they got $3.7 billion for COVID relief. Joe Biden got to make sure the trains are still running. Choo-choo. Joe Biden got to elect a secretary of transportation because he was once the mayor of a city that he couldn't keep the potholes filled. And he happens to be gay, but he too likes choo-choo trains. So, yay. Ugh. $3.7 billion for COVID relief funds to Amtrak. You know, if you look at it, that just about covers their loss. Meaning that the rest of the money that they got, the part of that separate bill, that magically almost comes up exactly equal to the bonuses. Hmm. Now... I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, or at least that's what all the lefties keep telling me. But I can do some simple math, which obviously most of the lefties never bother with. Uh, let me let me see if I can get Doug back on the line here with me real quick. Doug, does that math make sense to you? Nothing nowadays <laughs> makes sense to me. <laughs> I got cat slobber all over my face. You think you expect me to think? <laughs> okay, so even with cat slobber all over his face, Doug recognizes that that math, it, it, it just kind of looks like maybe, maybe the executives are just pocketing all the taxpayer dollars, all the free gifts from Joe Biden to keep the choo-choos running. So given Amtrak's struggles here, and the fact that they're expected to continue to struggle, I think it's more than reasonable for not just two GOP lawmakers, but a whole crap ton of lawmakers to be looking into this. As of the moment, nah, they're not so much. A lot of them still worried about trying to get reelected in the midterms. But seriously what are we the people the, the folks that are paying for this supposed to do in the meantime now Amtrak's chief executive officer the CEO Stephen Gardner who received a bonus of over $261,000 back in 2021 he confirmed in September that Amtrak's recent operating losses are in excess of $910 million and that the company will Never achieve profit. The CEO of a company that is supposed to be operational but gets government subsidies by virtue of providing transportation infrastructure. They're, they're operating essentially a lot like the post office is supposed to be. Not really a government agency but couldn't continue to operate without government funding. Uh, they're never going to achieve a profit. 
Well, I mean, how could you? If you're operating at $910 million in losses in what was supposed to be uh, a rebound year, you know, that's that's when folks started getting back on the trains after COVID lockdowns. If you can't at a point in time where people were literally chomping at the bit to get out there and, you know, look at something besides their own four walls, how could you ever hope? To achieve a rock. I, I don't know how you get to be the CEO of a company if you're failing that miserably. Uh, aren't you supposed to, I don't know, if you have any integrity at all, step down and say, uh, clearly I'm not the guy for this job, so I, I'm going to perform my fiduciary responsibility here and actually just recognize that you continuing to pay my salary is too much of a burden because I can't get you where you need to go. I don't think we expect people, whether we're talking big business now or government, I don't think we any longer expect people to behave in a fashion that resembles anything like personal ethics. The idea of integrity, I, I say the word integrity, and people are either screaming with me, yeah, we need more integrity for these people, or they laugh at me. They scoff at my – it's Nancy Pelosi all over again when she's asked, uh, Miss Pelosi, Miss Pelosi, under, under what constitutional authority can you pass the Affordable Care Act? Huh, are you kidding? You, you remember she said that, right? I, I, I'm not kidding. Why do we have such a hard time with this, boys and girls? Why have we given these people the pass as long as we have? And, and make no mistake, we have. We need to show up at the polls. We need to not only scare all these lefties with this potential red tsunami, but we need to manifest it. We need to make it clear that we don't like socialism. We don't like communism. We don't like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez looking like she's a thought leader in our country. We don't like uh, rule by Twitter and Instagram, although I got to tell you, Twitter's a lot more fun right now with Elon in charge. I'm still digging the fact-checking on the uh, White House tweet. For, for any of you guys that have missed it, the, the White House put out a tweet uh, touting the record-setting level of increase in Social Security benefits for seniors. Literally saying, thanks to Joe Biden's leadership, seniors in the United States will be receiving a record-setting increase in benefits. Twitter, for the first time ever <laughs> against the lefty, put up a fact check, said, uh, additional context readers may want to know. And then explained that it's due to a law that was signed under Richard Nixon that now requires that if inflation grows by a certain percentage, they are required to, as quickly as fiscally possible, make adjustments to those benefits. Basically, they told the truth. The White House can fully take credit for that increase in benefits because they're required by law to increase the benefits under the ridiculous level of inflation that their policies have brought forth. But bothered them so bad, they took the tweet down. They took the tweet. Tell me the last time that you saw anybody on the left 
have a fact check put up against them. It's, it's hilarious. I'm loving Elon Musk's new Twitter. I, I barely posted anything. First couple of days, I sat back and just watched it, and I couldn't take my eyes off. All the conservative folks that were coming back, and they were testing the waters. They were posting things that would have made Twitter's head explode before, and they'd be getting lifetime bans for some of the stuff they were posting. And it's like they were just trying to see how far they could push it. And guess what? Uh, almost to a person, they're all still there and tweeting. Got to love it. Gotta love it. Anyway, let's get back to this Amtrak story, though, before I go too far down that road. Lawmakers are literally needing to take a a long, hard look at the fiscal years between 2019 and 2021 because this is a time when Amtrak's total revenues declined by nearly 41% with an income loss of about – 124%, 124% income loss. Total revenues down, income portion significantly higher. Now, in 2019 and through 2020, that's the lockdown, right? That is the artificial shutdown, and most of Amtrak's operation is through the blue states, where it wasn't just a COVID lockdown, but it was literally a... If you violate our rules, we will take you out around back and no one will see you again kind of lockdown business. That's mostly where Amtrak operates. So it's understandable. But again, going from the end of 2020 into 2021 when the lockdown started being released, when, when we were starting to get that true taste of freedom again, if you lived in one of those blue states – it was like it literally was like being released from prison for a lot of folks. People were just getting out and going places for no reason other than to just not be at home. There should have been a significant increase during that. It should have been a spike. And again, all Joe Biden had to do to have one of the greatest economic recoveries in the history of the world would have been to not do anything that he wanted to do. If he had just sat back and opened things up and left all of his predecessors' policies in place, you know, that orange man who was bad, the the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, uh, the climate arsonist, that guy. Um, uh, What's his name again? Uh, Donald John Trump. The guy that they're still so freaking terrified of. If he had just left his – he could have just took credit and said, well, this is the Joe Biden post-pandemic economic policies. We all would have known, and we all would have let him run with it because we all would be feeling a heck of a lot better right now if he had done that. It would have been gangbusters. It would have been hard to imagine. But Amtrak, they struggled even then. Now, that tells me that the choo-choo train business, which we all know was already in trouble for passenger train use. We're not talking about freight. Freight trains still highly, highly valuable and very important to our economy, which is why it's also a big deal that this supposed uh, deal that all these unions uh, kind of voted on, they're rejecting 
this Biden interjection to try and uh, end the strikes. We're now up to four different major unions that have rejected the railroad deal. Now, they've all agreed to wait until after the midterm elections before any of them go on strike. So, again, it's election shenanigans. It is a way to try and rig the election with us not actually seeing anything happening at the voting box because they know right now the number one thing that's driving the, and I hope it manifests, red tsunami is the pain you're feeling right now. The pain you're feeling at the pump, the pain you're feeling at the grocery store, the pain you're feeling every time you try to pay your electric bill. And heaven forbid if if you're trying to keep not only your lights turned on, but trying to keep your 14 <laughs> subscription services turned on too, because you know you got to have Netflix, you got to have Disney Plus, you got to uh, trust me, you don't have to have any of them. You do not have to have any. And Netflix is already going through the roof, uh, losing their minds because they have seen a loss in subscriptions. And it's because of Bidenflation. When people take a look at the bills, what can I cut loose first? You're pushing Disney to, to move further to try and bring their Hulu and their uh, ESPN apps together under a single banner to try and make it more attractive to try to keep you there. They were looking at that already. They're moving faster with that now. You forced the Discover Network to create their streaming service and to try and offer you more details and to, to lower their prices. These people are suffering because it's the first thing you can cut loose. You're not, What value are you actually getting from television anyway? I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm a nerd. I love sci-fi stuff. I hate what the woke has done to most of the sci-fi stories. I I was a big-time Marvel fan. I loved what Disney was doing because they were letting the Marvel people tell the Marvel stories to start with. Not so much now. I hate what Disney's done with Star Wars. Now, they hit a, a home run with The Mandalorian. Uh, Doug says he's got uh, 54 over uh, free television. And, and, you know, that's the way to go. There are still plenty of free apps that you can watch all the TV that you don't really want to watch anyway. They're out there. You just got to keep your cable turned on. But then you've got Comcast, uh, who's one of the bigger cable providers in the country. Well, they're trying to make sure that uh, that you don't get access to anything other than what they want. These monopolies are hard going. Uh, he's talking about Pluto. Oh, yeah, Pluto TV is great. I've even got that loaded on my phone for those few times I'm bored and get decent enough internet service. Uh, I, that's usually where I'm watching The Blaze when I watch it. Uh, but they've got a ton of great channels, great movie channels, all kinds of cool stuff. And, uh, you know, back when they were still making movies uh, for Americans, not for woke numbskulls, <laughs> and. It's it's still this phenomenal situation, though, where these people are trying to manipulate you. And, and that's really all it comes down to. You're the bad person, boys and girls. You're the bad person if you want to step up and oppose any of their ideas, any of their notions. Amtrak now has its CEO telling you point blank that they will never be profitable. OK, so don't be profitable. But if we're going to continue to give you taxpayer bailouts in the process, can you at least get your losses 
at a reasonable level. Because I'm sorry, losing over a billion dollars a year? Eh, no, we're already losing that much just from Nancy Pelosi's uh, touch-up work. <laughs> it's it's we're we're losing too much money already, guys. First rule of government: uh, the job is supposed to be be responsible with what you've been entrusted with. It, that is the first rule of decency. Basic human decency means be nice to each other as much as they'll allow it. Because, you know, it's just impossible to be nice to some people. That's on them. But as long as they'll allow, be as nice as you can and then be responsible with the things you've been entrusted with. How hard is that? I don't know. I, I don't know maybe. Maybe it's because I'm old enough to remember that's how we were taught when we were kids. Be responsible. And if somebody entrusts you with something, be careful with it. Don't treat it like it's less than nothing because it's not yours. These people, we send them to D.C. and they start acting like every little penny is theirs. There is nothing that has bothered me more over the last three decades than to hear Democrats whine every time we talk about cutting taxes. They whine and they say, well, this is uh, – you're creating a, a, a budget deficit. No. You created the budget deficit by insisting on paying for things that you don't have the money for. That's my money. That's your money. The government doesn't have any money of its own. I don't know why that's so hard to get through. I know you guys, if you're a regular listener in particular, I'm preaching to the choir on this. But yet I still encounter people every single day that they, they get it in their head and they have no clue. They honestly think it's like, okay, well, first of all, the Federal Reserve is part of the government. It, it says federal, right? It, no, no, no. Well, they're gonna if they've got all these millions and billions of dollars, what? No, <laughs> they do not. They take that from us. I try explaining why I don't like earned income credit. This is a, a conversation I had very frequently when I was managing in quick service restaurants. They'd be bragging about, oh, going to go buy the new PlayStation with my, my tax return. It's like, well, how are you getting the tax return that big? Well, I, I got the, uh, the earned income credit. Why do you get an earned income credit? You want to get back exactly what you should based on what you paid in? Okay. Is there any way whatsoever that you should get back more money than you paid in? Have you stopped and thought about what that really means? And it means they're forcibly taking money from somebody else in order to give it to you for nothing. Nothing. Amtrak needs to go, needs to figure out how to make it on their own. So does the post office. And that's not me being against the employees that work for them. That's me being against wasting of taxpayer dollars. These are services and operations that can stay in business and can function. They can be profitable. They need to do it. They're never going to if you're not going to force them to. And you got to force them to. 
Now, as we're winding down at the end of this first hour, these are two stories that we covered here in the first hour. And I spent a little more time than I usually do on the second one. They're important. These are stories that are not being talked about that much because the midterm elections are dominating the conversation, and rightfully so. But these are also stories that if enough people know about them, will also impact the election. It's, it's a clear choice. We have people who are right now wasting taxpayer dollars compared to people who at least say they're going to try and stop it. Let's send the folks that are doing it now home, and then let's hold those folks that want this job, let's hold their feet to the fire to make sure they're accountable. That's our responsibility. That's our role in the American democracy. American democracy, not actual democracy. We are a constitutionally federated republic, boys and girls, and that means the Constitution holds sway and constrains the federal government, and we, the people, are the sovereigns of this nation. We, the people, decide. Show up. If, if you voted early, well, God bless you, but that's still not the best route to go. Gives them too much uh, time to know how many more votes they need to come up with. <laughs> but if you haven't voted yet, show up. Go vote. I, I don't care who you vote for. I do. But as long as you go vote, I'll be satisfied with that. I hope you'll make the right choice. And in this case, that literally means the folks on the right. But anyway, we've got a, just a few uh, minutes left here. So we're going to go ahead and slide into this. Uh, we're going to play our way out, and then we will pick right back up at the start of the next hour where I will be joined by Ken Crow. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name is Joe Biden. My name is Joe Biden. <laughs> My name is Joe Biden. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so very much for staying with us. As we now enter the top of the second hour of tonight's broadcast, I want to take this moment once again to uh, thank everybody who's listening, wherever you're listening from. And, of course, if you're listening after the fact on one of the many podcast platforms, thank you so much as well. But right now, been a minute since we've done it, but we are live on WCET Radio in beautiful, scenic Super awesome, except, of course, when the University of Tennessee plays South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, also simulcasting live on the last frequency. Uh, glad to have you here along for the ride, and even more glad to have with me on the line the purveyor of conservative daily briefing and also contributor for a real American Voice News. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on air, my guest this evening, Mr. Ken Crow. Ken, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And before we jump into anything at all, how are you this evening, my friend? Am I on the air? Yes, sir, you are. 
Oh my goodness. Well, we are we are getting ready to have snow move in. So I guess my fall is over with in Iowa. <laughs> we got snow coming in. Which brings up an important topic. And I don't mean to jump ahead of you. I'm sure this is gonna come up in this conversation. But last night in Sioux City, Iowa, since you're broadcasting to beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, we had a slight weather change yesterday. Trump had a rally in Sioux City, Iowa last night. There were, I've heard estimates, 15,000, 20,000, whatever people there. But the temperature was 37 degrees. The wind was blowing 30 to 40 miles an hour out of the north, and not one person left that rally. <laughs> they all stayed till the very end. Yeah. So I don't know what that says to you, but it tells me that either Iowa folks are really hardy or they love Trump or it's a combination of both. Yeah. I was going to ask, can't it be both? Because I think that's the case. <laughs> I seem to recall. I, I believe it was. I seem to recall when the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, when he was first running for president, he had similar effects uh, on a few of his campaign stops. So I think the love of Trump has not went anywhere, and I think that explains as much as anything the super hyper-partisan panic that we currently see among the Democrats and the uh, leftist media. Uh, Ken, have you ever seen so many people so openly, full-blown panicked uh, to the point that they're telling such ridiculous stories to try and convince the American public that, hey, if you vote for those guys, democracy's over. You know, if you engage in democracy, uh, we can't have democracy anymore. <laughs> have you ever heard it this bad? I got to be honest with you, my friend. No, and I'm 65 years old, and I, I've never seen anything like this or heard anything like this. The rhetoric coming out of the left is just unfathomable. You know, it, it's it's one thing to say, well, the other guy's going to, you know, take away food for your kids. He's going to tax you, put you in debtor's prison, and things. Like that. It's quite another to say. If you vote for that person, your country's over with. You're going to be enslaved. You're going to be bankrupt. You're going to, you know, all these horrible things. The, these people are just without. And, you know, the in a way it's tragic because there are some very intelligent people on the left side of the aisle. I mean, there really are. There's some great campaigners over there. There are people that have orchestrated phenomenal campaigns. I mean, Bill Clinton came out of nowhere. Nobody had ever heard of him. And he won two trips to the White House. You know, there it, it, same with Barack Obama, came out of nowhere. Nobody had ever heard of him. And they orchestrated an incredible campaign. And he, again, spent two terms in the White House. They've spent the last six months pounding into Americans' heads, abortion, abortion, abortion. That's all we've heard about. You're going to lose your right to murder babies. <laughs> well, you know, that wasn't exactly very high on the hit list for issues affecting the American people, and I truly believe that's where they made a great deal. But then again, 
they didn't have anything else to campaign on, Tim. They, they had nothing. They, they couldn't campaign on the economy. They couldn't campaign on foreign policy. I mean, we're at the brink of a nuclear war in Europe. They couldn't campaign on, on uh, border security or sovereignty for the nation. They, they had nothing to campaign on, and that was it. That's all they have is you're going to lose your freedom, you're going to lose your democracy, and we're fighting for you to be able to kill your baby. Yeah. And that's it. That That's the extent of their campaign rhetoric. And so they have nothing. And this Tuesday is going to be an absolute, you, you thought Wounded Knee or Little Big Horn or Waterloo <laughs> was bloodbath? You ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, we, we are talking about uh, biblical-level tsunami events, and they're all red. Uh, it's... It's scary. I mean, literally, we were talking. We we were talking pre-election stuff uh, before, and uh, uh, what was it about three weeks ago now? Uh, and uh, yeah. I was getting your full uh, comments there, and and you were somewhat pessimistic about the the Senate, and uh, you were optimistic about the House, but you didn't think it was going to be these major numbers. But so much has changed in the last uh, well, in the last week and a half. Uh, it, it appears we finally got the the Fetterman Oz debate, where enough people in Pennsylvania finally saw for themselves how bad he really is suffering from this stroke. Uh, even though all the the real reasons you should vote against Fetterman are still being hidden away. In fact, I spent a good part of the first hour talking about this land deal that he worked out when he was mayor in Braddock. Uh, he set up a nonprofit. And then he got the vice president of the nonprofit, who happened to be his deputy mayor at the time, to to purchase a parcel of land that was worth about seventy five thousand uh, dollars. He sold it to the nonprofit for one dollar, and then the nonprofit sold it to him for a thousand dollars, a thousand and one hundred dollars, eleven hundred bucks. Now, all this level of corruption is clearly there, and now we uh, we see Joe Biden struggling so badly that he comes out with dark Biden speech number two, and it works about as well as the first one did. And now they're trotting out Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton because Obama wasn't uh, getting the job done. In fact, Obama was at a rally and a chant of F Joe Biden broke out. <laughs> he couldn't even finish the rally because of it. Uh, people are fed up with this, and they're so out of touch with what we're going through. That's the, the real issue here. But what do you see as being the most surprising thing right now? Because uh, I know you – weren't very big on uh, Herschel Walker after his debate uh, with uh, Warnock, a and it seems like a lot of people kind of bought into it. They actually liked his performance. Uh, you were kind of down on it. You you didn't feel like he did well. Uh, uh, but, you know, we see not just in that race, but then in Arizona and now even in New York and in in Washington State, places that you would never expect a Republican to have a chance that now they're within the margin of uh, error. Uh, what has surprised you the most out of this? I, I guess, you know, that, and you're absolutely right. The last two weeks, I mean, there's been a total flip. I, I've been stunned. 
I really have. It, it's beautiful. I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm really glad I was wrong three weeks ago. Um, but that's the way everything was trending back then. But it has done an absolute reversal, and it now appears that that our uh, Heisman Trophy winner down in Georgia is doing much better than expected by the prognosticators. He's caught traction, and uh, he's doing well, and it looks like it's going to be close. It's, it's going to be a kind of a coin flip down there. Um, be a coin flip out in Arizona, but Nevada, Adam Laxalt has, has jumped into the lead out there, and that's great because he comes from a well-established family in sort of a political dynasty. He's young, he's good-looking, he's got a beautiful wife, and uh, and he's saying all the right things, and Nevada's gelling for Laxalt, so that's a pickup for certain. Oz, I think, is going to pull it out in Pennsylvania because of Fetterman's just absolutely abysmal performance in his debate. I mean, you got to feel sorry for the guy. I, I, I truly do. I mean, I, I'm sympathetic to him, and I think he's a victim of uh, spousal, <laughs> I don't know the word for it, but coercion, whatever you want to call it, just like Joe Biden is. You know, Jill's manipulated all that deal. Um yeah. So I, I think we're going to pick up, pick up a few seats. In fact, I've, I've redone my my prediction. I think we're going to end up 52 to 48, and I think we're going to have control. Unfortunately, I think Mitch McConnell will be the Senate majority leader. That's unfortunate. But, <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm it not, might be time I'm for the Republicans the to, to do what some of the Democrats have been doing for a while, and that's call for uh, new leadership. I, I can think of at least half a dozen names of folks that would be better. Uh, Mitch Mitch is oh, about absolutely. as establishment as he gets, and you know, unfortunately, he also still has some of these rather troubling ties with the Chinese uh, Communist Party that uh, makes him less than a reliable yeah. uh, Republican. Uh, not that that's news to you, but for anybody who's listening that maybe doesn't realize that, it's important to know that that is a real thing that I am not just making up right now. It is a real thing. Uh, if absolutely. you had. To, if you had to break it down, though, uh, you're calling for 52 seats. Uh, beforehand, it, it looked like it was going to be an uphill climb to keep 50. Now, right, at right. 54 looks possible, uh, and even 56 may be unrealistic, but it's still numerically on the table. How how do you judge this as being uh, uh, such a turnaround in such a short time? Is this a case where once again we had pollsters that were kind of stacking the deck for the Democrats like they normally do, and then they're kind of forced into telling the truth uh, as it gets closer to time to try and salvage what little bit of respectability that they have? Or do we really have enough people right now that have finally started paying attention and have realized how badly they've been lied to? Because, I mean, it's it's an open thing. Uh, Joe Biden's constantly told so many whoppers in the last two weeks that 
He can't get out of his own way. Uh, and we have all the media folks out there. Either they're uh, just calling you dumb if you're going to vote for uh, – I'm looking at you, Joy Behart. Uh, if you'll vote for the Republicans, you're just dumb. Uh, and yeah, we, we have all this going on. Is this I, – I'd actually put it towards the abortion issue. I think they tried to push it too hard too fast. <laughs> and Doug's showing me whoppers right now <laughs> from the uh, producer's booth. Uh, he's got his Halloween candy in full effect. But, yeah, Joe Biden's selling some real whoppers. <laughs> but uh, I, I think the abortion I'll, I'll, issue may have been the, the tipping point here because they, they pushed too hard too quickly. And now a lot of people that did not understand that an overturning of Roe v. Wade would not automatically make abortion illegal everywhere, and now they're starting to realize how few people it actually affects. Uh, it, it, I think that's opened the door for some of these folks to start asking questions about all the other lies. Uh, do you think there's anything to my theory, or is there something else at play here? Well, number one, I'm never going to di disagree with you on your radio show on your airtime. <laughs> <laughs> No, We've I, also got some milk duds in the background, I, too, uh, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm a, no, I'll tell you folks what, Tim's usually spot on. Uh, no, it, it, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, to be honest with you. And I think that the combination of a thousand paper cuts is caught up with them. First, it, it's obviously Joe Biden's lies about the economy, Joe Biden's lies about inflation, uh, I think it's a little bit of it's Putin threatening nuclear war, and everybody's going, oh, my God, what has Biden gotten us into now? I think it's uh, the border. I think it's largely, it goes back to James Carville's famous quote, it's the economy, stupid. The American people are getting crushed at the grocery stores, and they're being crushed even worse at the gas pump. And they're going, this has got to stop. I mean, this is killing us. Uh, I know in my family, it's hurting us. Uh, it really is. I mean, when, you know, one time a couple of years ago, you go to the grocery store, buy a couple of weeks worth of groceries for a couple hundred bucks, and now you check out, it's 385 for the same stuff. You know, it, it's ridiculous, and it's killing families. It's killing us. You know, where you used to fill your car up for $40, now it's costing eighty two fifty. you know. And that hurts. It hurts people dramatically. And I think that is a large portion of this. And the fact that, you know, I put out a tweet a few days ago. Uh, no, you know, this is a shocker. Put, uh, Biden keeps trying to tell us it's Russia's fault our gas prices are so high. When Trump left the White House, there were over 4,500 pumping oil wells in this nation. Today, we have less than 700, with most of the pipelines shut down. Now, you do the math. You figure it. And now, as of November 1st, this hadn't took effect yet, but it's getting ready to, uh, OPEC has cut back their production, which is Qatar and and Oman and Saudi Arabia and all these different countries, even Venezuela, has agreed to cut their production back by 2 million barrels a day. 
that is going to absolutely devastate us in the months coming forward. Uh, when less ships begin showing up at Houston and various ports to unload this oil, we're not going to have it. We're just not going to have it. And we we're already down to about 11 to 12 days worth of diesel supply in this nation. I know that I heard yesterday some people talking trucking company drivers have already been notified that they're probably going to be laid off here in the next two weeks because the companies can't buy the diesel. Yeah. And do you know what's going to happen when trucks stop showing up at Kroger? <laughs> it's going to get ugly real fast in this yeah. country. The shelves will get empty, but worse than that, I I don't know if you've uh, been uh, following as closely as the rest of us. I know it's been on your radar, though. We've got union after union for these freight rail uh, carriers that are – they're stepping away. They voted down this big deal that uh, Biden and company supposedly worked out. They've all agreed not to go on strike until after the midterms, but after this vote's up – uh, we're going to start seeing some of these folks going out on strike again, and it, the for never mind the diesel, the the truck drivers aren't going to have freight that's being carried to the uh, ports to get loaded up in the first place. Uh, it's it is going to get very ugly very quickly, and whoever comes next is going to have a a hard time cleaning this up. But the simple solution for the fuel side of it is, well, dare I bring back a. Uh, a bumper sticker slogan that we enjoyed very much in the time. It's drill, baby, drill. We are going to have to forget about this green stuff because I don't know about you, Ken, but I don't have the windmill adapter that I can hook up to my car. (laughs) She's just not running, and I don't know the wind's blowing (laughs) hard enough here in Tennessee to keep it going anyway. (laughs) Well, that's a fact. And the thing about it is, is we don't even have to drill. All we got to do is turn back on the pumps that are already sitting there and let them start pumping again. We've got the oil. The oil's not the issue. The issue is the corruption level and the millions of dollars these green lobbyists are paying these people on Capitol Hill up to and including the White House. And that's why we're at where we're at. There's no excuse for this. This guy is shutting this nation down. And the American people realize it, and they're scared, and they don't like it. The the uh, tension level amongst the American citizens is palpable. I mean, everybody is nervous, and this is inexcusable. It really is. And now we've got China. I'm going to tell you a little tidbit that you may or may not be aware of, but this new fellow in Brazil that was elected, this Bolsonaro guy that supposedly won the other day, is in the hip pocket and owned by China. Yeah. And now China is going to move into Brazil. And now they're on our soil over here. And this is very disturbing to me because they're going to start doing a military buildup in Brazil more than likely. And now we're going to have China at our back door. And this is not good. And Biden, once again, is responsible for this as well. Because he is administration backed this Bolsonaro guy in Brazil. 
Well, you know, we don't call him Beijing Biden for nothing, uh, although barely there, Beijing Biden is what I usually break out. But, uh, yeah, I, there is no question. He's made plenty of uh, dollar bills thanks to the Chinese Communist Party. He is beholden to him. He was compromised from the beginning. That's why they worked so hard to keep the Hunter Biden laptop story out of everybody's reach. That's also part of why I'm loving every second of Elon Musk having control of Twitter right now, because now they're not being just given free range to just lie indiscriminately. There's actually some fact checking going on uh, on them, and, and I'm afraid that it's going to be a, a case of a little too late in a lot of these cases, because from the instant we withdrew from Afghanistan, the world became a much more dangerous place. There's no question. There's nobody that takes America serious on the world stage right now, and it's hard to take us seriously right now. Even I, who loves this great nation, have a hard time taking us serious as a world power right now because I have to stop and think, well, who's going to make the calls? Who's going to make the decisions? What orders are going to be given? It it well, should be palatable, if, the, if you, the tension if here. If you want to know how we're viewed – and I, I know you do this, but to your listeners, go on YouTube, pull up Sky News AU for Australia, yeah. and they do a segment every day, and they post it on YouTube about Biden's latest. The British and the Aussies and our closest allies on this planet are laughing at us. It truly is sad. It really is. All the segments they do are hysterically funny. They're fun to watch. But when you stop and think about it, it's really sad what our closest allies are saying about us, what Germany is saying about us, what Italy and France and England and, and Australia and these various countries are saying about us. It's sad. We are a laughing stock because of this president, and they cannot believe we elected him. They honestly can't. Well, you know, I, I'm with them on that. I still can't believe it either. But, hey, uh, I'm an election denier. I'm a mega, mega Republican. And, and all because I just believe in the Constitution, oh and I still God. think that there was some shenanigans on election you're, night and a concerted effort an by anarchist. the media. You're against democracy. You want to overthrow the – what's wrong with you, Tim? <laughs> I, I, I guess it's all those things, that's what's wrong with me, depending on who you ask. Yeah, you're a threat to our nation. <laughs> I have been, because how dare I actually support the Constitution? How dare I <laughs> wave an American flag like Doug's doing right now in the producer's booth over there? Uh, it's insane. All right, uh, we're heading pretty close to the mid-hour break here in just a moment, Ken. I'm going to ask you to hang over with me uh, past that. And then we want to uh, kind of take a look at some specific races, uh, because there are some really interesting things. I want to get your thoughts on it, and I want to start with Arizona, sure. mostly because I was going to anyway, but also because Arizona Antihero is hanging out in the group chat. So uh, we'll spend some special attention. That's some of the benefits you get if you're in the group chat, listeners. Come on over, join All in, right. be part of it, and you'll get special consideration too. Uh, guys, we'll be right back uh, right after this very brief break. Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and 
packed into the truth. Would you believe that coronavirus shots are designed to delete human genes? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, according to Dr. Ariana Love, Stockholm University just released a scientific horror. The spike protein in the coronavirus shots penetrate the cells of the vaccinated, reaching the cell nuclei and impairing your cell's ability to repair damaged DNA. The shots are silencing the genes responsible for DNA repair and deleting them forever in humans. Johnson & Johnson utilizes adenovirus 26 in its shots. Johnson & Johnson has openly admitted that their AD26 vector codes your cells to produce a spike protein, but they didn't tell you that they're also deleting your genes. U.S. patent number 2014-001727 or adenovirus 26, openly states that it codes your cells with the Ebola and Marburg chimeric proteins. The J&J adenovirus 26 vector deletes your X chromosome. Deleting X chromosomes causes major problems such as lactic agadosis in children, which is the lack of oxygen in the blood. In adults, EI gene deletion causes rapid cancer growth and massive blood clotting. Such a horrible and avoidable global tragedy indeed. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronnetwords.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds Coffee Display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. The story of the man that took his young son-in-law out and was going to introduce him to golf and told him all that he had to do and teed up the ball and the kid took a swing and he missed the golf ball entirely but hit a ant's nest there and into the air and so lined up and took a crack at it and again hit another gouge out of the ant's nest and now there were ants flying all the way through the air and as he lined up for the third try two ants peeked out of the crater that he left and one of them said we want to survive this we better get on the ball Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. As uh, producer Doug, uh, aka the Crazy Cajun, was in there trying to figure out. I don't think that was the uh, break I had scheduled for that section, and, and that's okay because uh, you know eh, 
We're still going. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am honored to have with me this evening uh, the purveyor of the conservative daily briefing. He's also a contributor for Real America's Voice News. And, uh, you know, he's an all-around great conservative activist, period, as well as patriot, and most important to me these days, friend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Ken Crow. Ken, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for the great conversation we've had so far. And before we jump into some of these midterm discussions, uh, you tell everybody where they can find your work. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, conservativedailybriefing.com. I'm on Twitter at KWR Crow, C-R-O-W. That's Kilo Whiskey Romeo Crow, like the birds. And uh, that's where I'm at on Twitter. And that's about it. I don't I do not do Instagram and TikTok and all that. I'm <laughs> I'm oh come on, Ken! You'd look great doing some of those Twitter TikTok dances. And I'm on Facebook. I'm on Facebook under Ken Crow, the guy with a black cowboy hat. I think um, is my picture on there. Anyway, um, yeah, that, that's about it, my friend. And by the way, congratulations on getting endorsed by Ron Edwards. That's a pretty big deal there. He's a he's a big name stake. Congrats. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, actually, Ron's a, a pretty good friend, too. So uh, we, we spend a yeah. lot of time cross-pollinating on each other's shows. And uh, I'm constantly playing the Edwards Notebook on here. And uh, he has me on probably about as often as I have him on my show. And uh, it's a, yeah, uh, it's been a great relationship. I, I love Ron. And don't forget he's his producer. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Doug's reminding me to uh, don't forget uh, Ron's producer, uh, which happens to be producing for me tonight, too. Uh, that's uh, the crazy Cajun, uh, Doug. All right. Uh, let's let's jump All into right. these midterm elections. There's a couple of interesting sure. contests going on in Arizona. Uh, I love Carrie Lake. She uh, Her media experience uh, just shows through. Uh, I love the fact that earlier today, after Hillary Clinton had made a statement about, I just don't see Carrie Lake winning, uh, she made a point of taking to social media, uh, Carrie Lake, saying that, I want everyone to know right now, I am not feeling suicidal, and my brakes have just recently been checked. My car is working perfectly fine. (laughs) I, I don't know what she might be hinting at, but... Uh, Carrie Lake seems like a, a natural for Arizona to begin with. She's a trusted personality in the state, has been for a long time. She felt firsthand the shift in American journalism as she worked in the, for the local Fox affiliate for a long time. And you look at her opponent, Katie Hobbs, who is scared to death to talk in public. She's refused to debate. Her excuse against Carrie Lake is, I'm not going to play into the the Trump-supported election-denying crazy person. But she refused to debate even in the Democratic primary. And it's so bad that even the lefty news media has called her out on that as well. How was she ever ahead in this race, Ken? Well, she was ahead because she was out campaigning first. (laughs) when Carrie Lake showed up. (laughs) <laughs> it all changed. Carrie Lake is going to walk away with that deal. She's going to win by double digits. There, there's no, there's no question. She's, she's 
real people, and she's honest, and she speaks where the average voter understands what she's saying. She doesn't speak in political double talk. She speaks forthright. She's in your face. She tells it the way it is. And that's what people want. That's why Trump was elected. He was elected originally because he was the same way. You know, he, hey, this is the way it is. I'm just like you. Yeah, I may own a skyscraper, but for the most part, I'm just like you. And uh, and she relates to the voters. And I think she she's going to walk away with it. She's got the momentum. She's got the charisma. She's pretty. She's smart. She's articulate. She's all that in a bag of chips. definitely the one thing that I I think she has a huge advantage on too is that she has played the journalist game and I'm using the word journalist very loosely here Uh, she knows how to take their questions and flip them back around on her she does uh, even better a lot of what Ron DeSantis has managed to do in Florida when the the press say something that's completely outrageous she just effortlessly slaps away their premise and establishes the truth which is also why she gets so very little airtime on most television as far as the news coverage because they're not able to tell their narrative they can't get her in a gotcha moment and she's able to flip the script and they know that the more they air her the more they show her the more votes for not just her but also for Blake Masters, and I want to kind of use that to transition. We've got that Senate primary um, – no, it's not a primary uh, – the Senate uh, race going on. Blake Masters won that Republican primary, and he's been kind of weakish against Mark Kelly. But as of yesterday, polling has him actually ahead for the first time. A lot of people are saying that that's just uh, coattails with, uh, with Lake. I tend to think that that momentum probably is helping quite a bit. Love to get your thought on that. Well, the one thing that I don't know, pardon me, the one thing I don't know is does the Arizona ballot have the R and the D at the top? I don't know the answer to that. If they do, I think Masters wins. If Because 70% of your voters, if there's an R where you just I'm voting for all Republican, okay? If that's the case, they're going to vote for Carrie Lake because she'll be at the top of the ballot being governor, and that will carry Masters far, okay? Uh, I'm sitting here looking at the latest from today, as a matter of fact, at 538, uh, website 538, and there's some very reputable, like Marist College, Civics, Emerson, and what have you, that all have them tied at 48, uh, has Masters and Kelly tied at 48. The one thing Kelly has going for him is he is the incumbent. He is a national hero. He is a retired full bird colonel or captain in the Navy. I've forgotten which. Anyway, he had eagles on his collar. Um, and he was an astronaut and he is married to a victim. And, uh, the lady congressman who was shot uh, in that horrible incident in Tucson a number of years back. Um, So Kelly is sort of a sympathetic sympathetic figure in a lot of ways. 
but I think if if they have R at the top of that ballot, Masters wins. Right now, it's a coin flip if there is no R. <laughs> but if there is an R, I think he wins big uh, because everybody's going to vote for Kerry Lake. And, uh, and Masters was the Trump-endorsed candidate out there, and that carries a lot of weight in Arizona. Trump is extremely popular in Arizona. So uh, I think uh, now going back, there, there's been a huge shift since early October. I'm sitting here looking at this polling, and at one time back in October, Kelly had a huge lead. At one point, some polling had him up, you know, 5, 10, 10 points. But it's now everything that's recent is within one point. Yeah, it's like like we've already established. The last two weeks have been phenomenal with the the level of momentum that uh, the good guys in red seem to be picking up. Uh, I tell you, a race that's not getting near as much uh, attention, but it's probably way more important if you are particularly concerned about election integrity moving forward, which I would presume that even the folks who are concerned about democracy being on the ballot, that they would be concerned about election integrity, and that's their secretary of state. Uh, they've got a couple guys going hot and heavy with that one, but I, I really I don't know too much what's going on with that one. I I think the Republican, uh, Mark Frenchman, or Frenchman, I, I think it is, uh, I think he's statistically leading, but that one seems to be a pretty close margin against the Democrat, Adrian uh, Flores. Uh, I I don't know if you've been following that one any at all, but if you've got any uh, insight on that, would love to get that too, because again, that one's going to be important moving forward. I do not. I have not followed that out. But I do know that when Trump was in Arizona recently, he brought Finchman up on stage and put his arm around him and asked everybody. So he's got Trump's endorsement, and that carries a lot of weight out there. So, But I, specifically that race, I have not been following it, just to be honest with you. Uh, I have followed the Nevada Secretary of State race quite a bit. And that one, I think, is going to go to the Republicans because uh, uh, the the guy that's leading that now is uh, is a guy that's been promoting. As a matter of fact, he got uh, I just went blank. What is his name? Who is uh, Jim Marchand, he he actually managed to get several counties out there to throw out the voting machines, and they've gone to paper ballots with a hand count, and that's what he's been campaigning on. And he has been a lightning rod out there for that. And he's actually getting the state changed over to that. And he has promised to be Secretary of State there will be no more voting machines in the state of Nevada, which is huge. That's huge. Because Nevada does have a massive Hispanic population. And they've set it up where you can basically be an illegal and vote out there now. But he's going to change all that. 
and he, his campaign has really hit a chord, and he's doing very, very well now. And I think he's going to win that race. And he's leading a coalition with the, uh, what's her name, Carone from Michigan and several other Secretary of State candidates around the nation. And they've all promised part of their campaign platform is going to paper ballots with ID. You can only vote on voting day unless you are legitimately ill and you're in a nursing home or whatever, then you can vote by, by mail. But otherwise, you're going to vote on election day, and it's going to be a paper ballot, and it's going to be hand-counted. Yeah. And they're all pushing this. They form this coalition, and it's really gaining traction nationwide. Well, you know, it's a good idea, quite honestly, and it's just as easy to do that. I was uh, very... Uh, uh, pleased with the uh, election cycle this go around here in Tennessee as we went from the electronic uh, ballots that we had previously to a hard copy paper ballot again they they still have a similar setup for placing it but they print it you actually get to see it you get to verify it again before you turn it in and it's still very uh, traceable back to you uh, if you come right down to it if you demanded to see your ballot again in the case of a count uh, you can access it they can track it down and it's going to be real easy during a recount if uh, there's any shenanigans to uh, to very easily pick that out so tennessee's done a good job with it every place else should be uh, you bring up uh, nevada of course that's where uh, laxel is uh, running a, a race where he's picked up a lot of ground in a very short amount of time too for the senate uh, how do you see that one playing out I think Laxalt wins. I think he wins. I think he wins. I think he wins decisively. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm gonna pull up the polling here and see what it, what it's got on 5:38. Uh, let's see, Nevada, Nevada, Nevada. Where did Nevada go here? Uh, he's ahead. He's ahead in Nevada by about a point. And all the recent polling has him pulling ahead. Uh, matter of fact, Emerson College and KLAS, the new network television out in Las Vegas, uh, funded a poll with 2,000 likely voters just a week ago, and he was ahead by five points. Yeah, so I really good. do like the polls that actually focus on likely voters. I think those are way more telling. Uh, I yeah. think that's why most of the media tends to stay away from those. <laughs> uh, yeah, outside of uh, those races, uh, is there any other Senate races that uh, are really getting your attention? I mean, obviously, the the media loves the Pennsylvania one, especially now that Oprah Winfrey's endorsed uh, John Fetterman. But we've already talked about oh, Fetterman Lord. and Oz, I think, uh, well enough. Uh, obviously, Georgia's getting a lot of headlines, uh, especially when they were attacking uh, Herschel Walker over uh, aborting babies. Uh, it really comes down to it. But is there a surprise race right now, something that really, really shocks you as far as Senate races are concerned? Well, i got to be honest with you. Is my own race here in Iowa. I'm very concerned. Uh, the Democrat here uh, is doing very well. And 
he's yeah he's uh let's see it's got oh zach nunn's ahead uh head of the congressional cindy axney that's good that may be a seat that we pick up in the house but uh there's a democrat here it's a retired admiral um and he is a leftist radical admiral, which is very troubling. He is a three-star admiral, and he's been doing very well. And uh, that's concerning to me. Um, Chuck Grassley's doing good, but he's a little bit too close for comfort for me. And uh, Grassley's ahead by seven points right now. Some of these races have him higher than that. But Des Moines, if Des Moines very liberal, the rest of the state's conservative. Des Moines got a couple of colleges there, and they're very liberal typically. So if Des Moines turns out big, Grassley could have a problem. If Des Moines is normal and the rest of the state is all rural, as we are, then Grassley wins big. And Grassley's already pledged to go after the Hunter Biden thing he wants to hold senate hearings on it so that's pushing his campaign quite a bit but he's one that i was concerned about uh, a little bit but i think grassley will pull it out jd vance is another one that um in ohio that uh, is very close and, yeah, uh, I, I, I saw the uh, the Iowa point. bit, and I think Grassley was uh, targeted with a lot of out of state dollars, just because he has been oh, so yeah. strong on wanting to hold Democrats accountable and upset the uh, the deep state folks. Uh, I don't yeah. think there's any question that he poses a real threat to them, and they wanted to take him out. Oh, absolutely. And, and another thing, let's be honest, it hurts Grassley is his age. I mean, he's he was here when they poured the concrete to make the state. <laughs> I mean, he was <laughs> he well, poured, he, I mean. he, so, he may be that old, but he certainly seems a whole lot more there than certain other office holders that I'll not name at the moment. <laughs> let me tell you, I have met the senator quite well, I won't say quite a few times, but several times, and I've had several con- actual conversations with him, and he is sharp as a tack. Do not let his age fool you. That guy's brain is on, I don't know, steroids or something, because he is sharp as a tack. Grassley is very, very intelligent. He's very politically wise. He is a true conservative. He's honest as the day is long. And he's truly a nice man. And he's been married for like 55 years. I mean, the guy is just, he's a super individual. He still goes out, believe it or not. He owns about a thousand acres in eastern Iowa. And he plants his own corn. He still goes out, drives his tractor, plows the field, tills the field, sets the field up, plants the corn, fertilizes the corn. He does all that himself. So you well, I gotta, I gotta to tell you, guy. kid, he's a lot like Jimmy Carter. He's a lot like Jimmy Carter. He's uh, a man he's still who's, doing it. A man who still goes out and, and works with his own hands. He knows what the rest of America is going through. 
Uh, also, sure. uh, I, I did reach out to uh, Arizona Antihero in the group chat just to make sure what these ballots do look like. And, uh, yeah, he tells me that uh, it is clearly denoted if you're voting for a Republican or if you're voting for a Democrat uh, in regards to the Arizona race, which you were questioning earlier. Well, then, uh, then Masters now, wins. Masters will win. Yeah. Uh, as far as gu- gubernatorial races, two more questions, because we're running out of time fast now. And these are great conversations to have, and they always uh, always go by way too quick when you have a time frame on them. Number one, are you surprised at all with how close the New York gubernatorial race seems to be getting? I mean, uh, you have a candidate who was never elected going up against – the guy who may be the first Republican in how many decades that, that may hold the office? Uh, it, it's it's looking uh, crazy right. there, but there is real concern about crime there that uh, the current setting interim governor seems to have no concern about at all. I think he's going to win. Lisa, what's his name? Lee Zeldin, I believe is his name. I yes. think he's yeah. going to win. She is... She has based her entire campaign on, I'm going to get Trump. And she hasn't campaigned at all on, and crime is a big deal down in that city. In the big city of New York City, crime is a huge deal. And the citizens are becoming afraid. There's been defunding of police. They're like several thousand police officers short on the streets. It now takes 45 minutes when you call 911 for help. Well, in 45 minutes, a lot can happen when you have a burglar breaking in your door. And uh, and I think he's going to win because of it. I think crime and inflation is going to take him over the top and the fact that she's not even addressing it. And uh, what what's your other state besides New York that you're wondering about? Well, it's not so much a specific state as much as I wanted to ask you if there was any state gubernatorial races that were really surprising to you at this point. Uh, for either side, is there anything that really stands out at this point that's still nowhere near what you would have expected? Uh, the closeness in Florida. I would have thought DeSantis would have been a lot further ahead in Florida. Uh, I believe I got that right, don't I? In Florida, up for grabs because they're having a war down there with Rick Scott and those guys. Yeah, I, I think some Help of the polls out. have been a lot closer than others, but uh, it looks like a, a fairly comfortable lead compared to where he was at last time. He's going up against Chris, who I still think half of the voters in the state of Florida have no idea what party he's even with now because he's literally been a member of uh, everything from the Republicans, the Democrats, the Greens, to my daughter's third birthday party. He's been part of every party that exists. Uh <laughs> So uh, it, it is interesting down there that it would be close at all. But when you look at the fact that Florida is still basically a purplish state just because of how many votes are in some of those southern uh, Florida cities. Yeah, yeah, down in Miami, yeah, absolutely. Well, Rubio's got a huge lead, so that's good over Val Bimmings. That's good. He's going to win big in Florida. Uh, so we keep Rubio. 
Uh, New Hampshire is another one for the Senate race up there that that is intriguing. And uh, Baldock was a retired general. I talked to him one day on the telephone. Really nice guy. They're within the margin of error, so he could actually win that over Hassan. Baldock could actually pull that off. He's another one I was I was kind of watching. Is New Hampshire. So I, I think we're going to pick up five seats. I really do. Uh, pretty much guaranteed two or three, possibly. Got a real good shot at five seats in the Senate. And we're going to pick up 40, 50 or more seats in the House Tuesday night. It's going to be celebration time. Break out the Boone's Farm. It's going to be celebration time. <laughs> I'd rather get some of my Boone's bourbon, sir. But uh, <laughs> the, the farms works too, I guess. If you got to. Uh, last thing, and we'll talk more about this too when we get together after the elections. But word has it, and I'm sure you've been hearing some of the rumblings too, that right now the Biden administration is very much preparing a. a ton of executive orders because they are afraid they're not going to be able to move the agenda forward. Do you think there's anything to that? And are we on our our way to a constitutional crisis if that happens? Just real quick. I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I do know they are preparing a bunch of stuff for after the election, but before everybody's sworn in, in that dead period in late November and December, and he's going to push through a lot of stuff on executive orders. And it could very well, yes, it, it could very well cause, I'm not going to say it's going to cause a massive uprising, uh, you know, where people are shooting at the Capitol or anything, but uh, it it's going to be ugly. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no doubt. This election is going to be ugly. The Republicans yeah. are going to win. Now, lastly, I'm going to close with saying this. We took everything back in 94. We did it again in 2010. This time we need to get it right. We need to govern. And we need our leadership in the Senate and in the House to act like leaders and go to war for the conservatives and for the soul of this country. Do not capitulate. Stand your ground. Yes, negotiate when it's a fair negotiation. Come to some sort of agreement. But do not roll over and show the American people that the Republicans can lead this country and then we win the White House back and have it all in 24. If we don't, we could very well lose it all in 24. All right. I don't think I can follow that up any better, sir. As always, thank you so much for your time. God bless. Keep up the great work, Ken. We'll talk again real soon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Tim, as always. All right. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Ken Crow, uh, part of our special live broadcast tonight. Uh, once once again, to thank each and every one of you who listened live. And if you didn't, uh, you know, there's a real possibility we may work to try and make this happen a little more if I can talk Doug into it, because little secret he's usually trying to talk me into it so uh we'll we'll see if we can make that happen because i love doing live especially on friday nights ladies and gentlemen thank you so much uh thank you uh arizona anti-hero for being part of our group chat and uh thank you doug for doing all the magic that you do and uh you know all you guys listening 
Thank you, especially if you show up to vote. Uh, remember to vote for the uh, good guys in red. And uh, whatever else you do, don't take my word for any of it. Please, please, take okay. Don't take my word. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Hey, Joe.
is using both hands. Mm-hmm. 